Uh. So, I was at the the old Del Taco on a Tuesday. It was Taco Tuesday, and I did get three tacos. But beside the point. So, I was at the intercom, right? You know where you display or explain what you would like. And I was sitting there for a minute. Um, there was no, there was no. Hey, we'll be with you in a second. There wasn't much. Uh, heads up or nothing. So I was sitting there, cool. It was like seven o'clock at night. I had nowhere to be, so I'm in no rush. I was sitting there for about three or four minutes, no one saying anything, and then next thing you know, I notice in my, I I hear a noise from behind me, right? So I look in the mirror and I notice it's this guy in his uh girlfriend's Buick. Out in the passenger side. And for the audio, basically, he's putting his hands up like, hey, man. He just has his hands up. So, I poke my head out, but at the angle, because of the voice box, kind of in the way. So, I actually, I get out of the car. I turn around, and I put my hands up like, hey. uh, What are you doing? Hollering from the passenger side. Trying to holler at me. And he looked at me. And I looked at him. For a good four or five seconds. He just shook his head. We had a nice little laugh. And we just smiled. Got back in our car. And then conveniently. She's like. Sorry for the wait. Welcome to Del Taco. What can I get for you? And I said. It's Taco Tuesday bitch. I didn't say bitch. Because she's actually. A very nice lady. She always takes order there. But. Moral of the story is. Don't holler from the passenger side. And try to be Mr. Hey. I'm in charge around here. While you're in your girlfriend's Buick. Um, I once had a Buick. Um, Let's just say it felt like centuries ago. (laughs) Oh. And she sold the broken vehicle. I guess I blessed the broken robe because, damn, she was a little rascal in that flat tire piece of shit. Welcome to episode 100. That is 100. That is, uh, what what was that in Spanish? Uh, is it see it? I don't, I'm not even gonna lie. I'm such a brain fart. I don't even know what 100 is in Spanish. Is it one hundo? One hundo. Is it a guap? Is that what they mean, guap? Uh, yes, episode 100 of the Off and Beat podcast. Um, it's a pretty big moment. I'm not going to lie. Didn't know if I will make it. When I started this bitch about six months and some change ago, I was like, you know what? It'll be cool to do for a while. Let's see where it happens. Let's see if I even enjoy doing it. Well, here I am. Do I enjoy it? I don't think you could do 100 of anything in six months and say you don't enjoy it. Um, you can't go to work 100 days in a six-month span and not enjoy it, right? You can't lie to yourself. Um, you can't do something for free 100 times and, I guess, enjoy it. It's probably the better way of putting it. And for all 6,038 listens over the 99 episodes, thank you. At this pace, I will be at a million listens in about 
10,000 episodes from now. Um, but I'm going to say my goal is I'm going to make it to a million total listens. And then I'm going to completely stop the pod. But I'm going to work until then. Speaking of work, um, why the fuck can't these jobs just, if they don't need you that day, you know, you have the numbers, you have the analytics, I have the analytics to my shit, you're a whole big fucking corporation. Um, your job is literally to know the numbers inside your establishment so you know how many employees you need that day, or how, more importantly, how many employees you don't fucking need. You know, when you're coming across town and you're running late to work, but you still show up on time and you make time there, you plan your day around going to work, then you get there. And after about an hour, they're like, hey, we actually don't need you today. It's like, oh, well, that's cool. Um, Could have just called and be like, hey, if you don't want to come in the work today, you don't have to. We're overstaffed. We don't need anyone. Because you know what I could have done? I could have stayed with my bestie. And we could have continued talking about Ethan Klein, Jordan Peterson, and our whole life society conversations. But no. Knock on wood. Because work's like, come. And we'll figure it out. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. Just go fuck myself. I just don't understand why you can't just call ahead of time. Can't give a heads up and be like, hey. You don't need to come to work today. Save everyone's time. It's considerate. But hey, you know what? Fuck me. What do I know? Um, Let me just lip gloss over that. By the way, this is episode 100. I know I mentioned that, but I'm going to keep on saying that. I guess you could say we went from 0 to 100 in 6 months. That's the Drake line, right? We went from 0 to 100 in 6 months. 6 months. 6 months. 6 months. 6 months. Is that a world tour or your ex-boyfriend's podcast? <laughs> that would be a diss track. <laughs> Is that a world tour or your girl's tour? Um, I'm going to say Nikki's not doing too many tours these days. Um, probably more of a tourist, you know, visiting her brother's prison cell where let's just say pedophilia is not of... Well, appreciate it's crazy how when you get to jail, all of a sudden now, like, there's all these high morals and respect codes. It's like, yeah, most of y'all didn't respect codes, and that's why you're there. But all of a sudden, we have horrible migrant. We, we don't like pedophiles. It's like, okay, as much as I respect now that you know, you don't like pedophiles, but you murdered 13 people, um, because they uh called you Chico instead of. Fred, um, and not because you sound like Fred, um, but yeah, Queen and Slim, uh, <laughs> that's a real American gangster, you know, violence isn't the answer, but goddamn, it sure makes you feel good, like I wanted to cause violence at work today, side note, not really, but you know, for entertainment purposes, violence is not always the worst thing, but I really do believe, um, you know, there's, you know, we, they make the movies about the purge. And of course, it's just some fan. Well, it's weird to call uh, killing people free for a day with no consequences a fantasy because I look at fantasy like kinks or like, you know, Final Fantasy or Halo. 
even though those have dire consequences if that was real life. But, like, you couldn't really call Call of Duty Modern Warfare a fantasy because it's actually a little too real. It's pretty realistic. But, to call a... To call a purge a fantasy would be very problematic. If someone said, my fantasy is I always had a deep, dark fantasy just for a purge to happen. It's like, oh, um, remind me to not be around you the week of my birthday. <laughs> um, <laughs> happy birthday, bitch, Godfather style. Never, never saw a Godfather, but, you know, I could do the math. Um, but, yeah. How about flipping a coin? You, you, you sons of bitches. Um, it's basically the Irishman. Three and a half hours of, you know, people that watch it want to feel like they're part of the mob or respecting codes. It's funny how the things that cause the most dire consequences and violence, mobs, gangs, all of a sudden, the highest moral standing codes come into play. Don't disrespect my mother like that. Even though they like, you know, rape and abuse their wives. But don't you dare call my mother a bastard slime cum guzzler. It's like, but hey, if I want to beat my wife, it's because it's out of respect. Um, but hey, the fuck do I know? Yeah, um, uh, that went from zero to 1,000 real quick. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. But, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, by the way, so Ethan Klein, he, uh, he apparently removed Jordan Peterson's interview from his podcast, which is kind of weird because I literally saw clips earlier. I guess he didn't take down the clips. So, I guess his message of whatever Jordan Peterson said didn't really, uh, wasn't really that negative. I also find it ironic that it takes you three or four fucking years for all of a sudden something to resonate with you, for some you all of a sudden believe in, because you don't want to be a quote-unquote gateway for the alt-right, which Jordan Peterson doesn't really speak for political things. It's literally everything. It's psychology and philosophy and, you know, mind, uh, the psychology of the mind, childhood trauma and shit like that. Like, you know, you know, it's funny how it's okay for these experts, quote-unquote, and I mean, like, comedians and people who have no real knowledge of this stuff. They can speak about childhood trauma and all this shit and just break down their point of view. But then when someone actually breaks down the science that's outside of oneself and actually breaks it down with actual a professor, all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, what is this guy saying? It's like, oh, uh, he's actually speaking from a complete... Uh, I don't know, study, like studies he reads, actually up to date, actually reads, actually is well informed, actually speaks well, but also we're going to trust Ethan Klein's judgment on what is right to be heard from people and what is not. I don't know if you've ever listened to an H3 podcast. It is not a great listen, except if the guest is actually a great listen. Um, For example, there's a reason why I don't have guests. Don't know how. <laughs> but more importantly, um, I re- I, I, there are podcasts that have guests where you will listen to it essentially no matter who is on the other side because you enjoy the host. 
or I shouldn't even say you'll listen to every episode, but you will definitely give more episodes a chance, even if you don't know who the other person is, or even if you don't like who the guest is. Just because you trust the host is going to make this entertaining, or entertaining, entertaining, fuck Clint, or you're going to fucking just enjoy the dynamic, even if it's complete nonsense or whatever. Some people you're going to always listen to. If this guest, if Bill Burr's on the show, I'm going to listen. I don't care if, you know, he's talking to Flubber on the other side. Uh, I don't care if he's talking to freaking, I don't know, uh, Jason Momoa, Aquaman. I don't care if he's talking to E.T. I'm going to listen because Bill Burr's on the show. It's when you have the best of the host, when you have the host and the guests you like, those are... Like, the best for us avid podcast listeners. H3 Podcast is one of those that I'm not a big fan. You know, I, I tried to give it a listen like a year or so ago. And I know I'm not famous. I'm in no position to say what sucks and what doesn't. But it's a it's a tough listen. As uh, Drake would say about Draymond Green's podcast. Back in the heyday. This one now is actually pretty decent. It's a tough listen. I would just say it's not for me. Like, as, even though we talk about nonsense on the show, uh, I, I don't really care to hear a walking advertisement about freaking Teddy Fresh. I don't care about your merch. I don't care about your clothing line. I don't care about you complaining about problems when you're living in a 25, to, or not 25, but you're living in an exorbitant mansion. And I'm not one of those. You live in a mansion. Oh, you have money and stuff. You don't have any problems. Why well, I am saying, I do think Ethan Klein exasperates a lot of his problems and blames mental health and all this shit. And then he capitalizes it, uh, profits off it, and bitches about shit that he lacks a lot of awareness of. And I'm not the most well-informed, but I'm sure as hell a lot more informed than Ethan Klein. And I don't hate the guy. I really don't. I just think this situation really exposes a lot about he's really a pussy to audience. Which I don't think any of his audience was coming out of the woodworks to be like, uh, have you do you remember this clip of this Jordan Peterson podcast? Like a lot of people are like, ah, hey, you know what? I remember, that's one of your most viewed podcast episodes ever. It's one of the most viewed things you've ever done. Oh, and on top of that, now Hassan Piker, one he has a podcast with, now he wants Jordan Peterson to come on. I don't know if it's their podcast together or his stream personally, but they have a he has a connection to Ethan Klein. Essentially, he wants Jordan Peterson to come on there to clarify something that he said three or four years ago, which it's like, okay, so you are trying to capitalize someone who you know is instant fucking views. And I get it. I'm not part of this fear. I'm not that famous or at all. And I'm not part of uh, all this fucking YouTube shit like that. But let's just insert common sense. You were using someone that you know is instant views. Jordan Peterson is instant views. Because regardless if you like what he says, you never say this guy is an idiot. You never say like this guy is ignorant. You say, hmm, this guy sure gets a lot of he certainly gets to a lot of conclusions taking a long 15 minute route of explaining it with a lot of shit that actually makes you think whether you necessarily believe or not which is weird that we don't want to believe dr jordan peterson a doctor we pick and choose doctors we want to listen to but then we uh don't want to listen to certain doctors 
Um, which also, side note, to the 270 doctors that quote-unquote protested Joe Rogan's podcast because you just want to feel empowered and you want to have a disclaimer. Like, we want a disclaimer in this podcast episode. It's like, um, no. How about that? Like, what are you going to do if the company says, no, we're actually not going to do that? You're going to sue them? You can't sue them for that. Oh, that's right. Because people really don't have power what people say on their shows and shit. That's crazy, huh? You can't really... You could control radio because there's advertisements. Because literally radio and TV are literally bitches to advertisements. There's a reason why the Super Bowl charges tens and 20 and 30 million dollars for you to run a 30 second fucking commercial because they got you by the balls and they know the importance of the commercials in Super Bowls. They know the importance of how big everyone's going to be watching this shit and your commercial being on the shit helps you way more than it helps us. Oh yeah. But when you have a podcast and you choose your sponsors, you can say no. And you can make really good money for something that you do on your own merit. Say whatever the fuck you want. Which means you are actually in control because advertisers can't tell you what to say. Crazy. Because you're the one with the leverage. It's like, hey, I don't give a fuck if, you're on, if you pay me $50,000 a month for me to advertise your meat undies or your athletic fucking greens. Because guess what? You're coming to me because you know... My viewership drives you. You get exposure off me, which means you are not going to tell me what the fuck to say. Now, you can have it on the show or you don't. So, it's really fascinating me. And the best thing about podcasts, even when it's distributed by the biggest podcast platform and music platform in the fucking world, Spotify... Is that this is actually a good thing. Regardless if you actually agree with medical information that comes out on that show or not. It's the fact that nothing can manipulate what you do on your show. And as someone that does this on a much ground sewer water level. um, It's a great feeling. Because no one tells me what to do on my show. Because guess what? No one gives a fuck what I do on my show. If I had 100,000 listeners, yeah, and I had sponsors, maybe they would care. But guess what? They don't. And guess what? Even if I had sponsors, I could just be like, look, you don't have to be on the show. So you can't tell me what topics to talk about. You can't tell me what words. You can't tell me to edit something out. Because you know why? Because you can suck my dick, Keeps.com. And our sponsor today is Keeps. Um, let's just say we play for Keeps. And I'm also talking about the IP. Um, Call her daddy. By the way, Jamie Lynn Spears is on Call Her Daddy. I don't know if I'm going to listen to it. I don't really care for the show Call Her Daddy, but I do care for Zoe 101. Because... I'm all about the chase. Shout out to Chase, old ex-coworker. I miss you, boy. My boy, Blue. I am an old school type of guy. But anyways, uh, yeah, I do think all a lot of this exposes how much Ethan Klein is really just a capitalist on approval. 
uh, I think the technical word is like grifting or whatever, where basically you malign your opinions and typically it's for politics, but it could be for really anything where you grift your opinions and your point of view and perspectives for essentially what's going to get you the most views, approval. You can even say capitalize money when you're talking about politics and stuff. But I think Ethan Klein is the perfect definition of someone who cares for approval and cares to be liked and accepted more than actually just saying what he believes or sticking by stuff. And maybe, you know, over time it changes, right? Maybe over time your thoughts, you evolve and change, and that's cool. I just don't understand, why the fuck does it take you four years to figure out something was also problematic of what you thought? And if you really think Jordan Peterson, of all people, is a gateway to alt-right, and I heard this example today. I believe it was on uh, Andrew Schultz Flagrant Podcast. It's like saying uh, weed is a gateway drug to more uh, dangerous drugs. It's you are blaming something that you are blaming something that is not really the issue. You are using something that is de- does not directly indicate this. There are plenty of people that could do this drug and not do anything high level. Could it lead to more drugs? Sure. Could someone listen to Jordan Peterson and all of a sudden want to, you know, uh, strike a lame Bryant because, you know, oh my God, it's too much body positivity. Fuck that shit. It's like, no. I mean, they might. But more than likely, they're probably not. And if someone listens to Jordan Peterson and they all someone to sit there with their pig sticks and go riot in Virginia and keep the statues of limitations, um, you know what? So be it. You can't control what everyone does. You can't control what people say. And honestly, I'm really fucking tired of this type of shit. There's a reason why I don't talk about this shit. Because... After a while, it becomes it becomes outplayed. It becomes really just uh, an excuse for people to really get shit off that has nothing to do with the shit they want to get off. And this is a prime example of Ethan Klein being an absolute pussy. I don't. You don't have to apologize, and no one asks you to apologize for. Like, you know, you know what's interesting? He apologized for this shit, but he never really apologized for saying the N-word um, years ago on, years, years ago, he hit me in the, <laughs> that's a, that's a reference to, years ago, he used to hit me in the, <laughs> but this man literally has said racial slurs towards Asians, he has said the N-word. Different, all types of variations of the N-word, by the way. Not just, hey. Um, no. He never really apologized for that shit because he was just being funny, which I don't I know any context for saying that stuff in the context he was saying it's really funny. And I'm not even necessarily saying I was offended because I don't know how I could really be offended by that. But it's certainly awkward to hear. And it's weird that he focuses on stuff Jordan Peterson said that was science and actually well read and he's a professor at fucking prestigious universities but what Jordan Peterson says says what Jordan Peterson says is problematic and this same guy that also said 
that Joe Rogan's unhealthy, which, all right, if you've ever looked at Ethan Klein, speaks for itself, don't even need to get into that, because you know why? We don't body shame on this podcast. But, hey, blaming your depressant drugs for your body being out of whack, I get it. As someone who used to take it in his young youth and adolescent, I get it. Hey, man, you're a father now. You're a husband. You have everything, all the access and money and all this shit to have a stretched out two and a half hour podcast that is really unbearable to listen to. And yet, you can't get that right. But hey, fuck me, right? What the fuck do I know? Um, I do. It just really the picking and choosing the the. The definition of picking your spots on a basketball court while playing. That's what Ethan Klein does. You know what? I'm done talking about Ethan Klein. I've done my ranting about it. So, anyways, let me uh, change the subject. Um, have you ever? Um, have you ever been driving? Well, most of y'all, yes. Ever been driving? And you take a right turn, you know, you take a right turn, you yield, blah, blah, blah. And as you're taking a right turn, you see a homeless guy and you're at a red light now. It's really awkward. You see a homeless guy holding a sign that says, just lost my house. It's always weird when homeless signs are very specific. Lost my house. Dog died of pancreatic cancer. I don't even know if dogs have pancreas. But hey, that's how specific it gets. We're not going to say like, wait. Roll down the window like, wait. Your dog has a pancreas? It's like, don't ask questions. Like, I actually have a lot of questions. His name was Julio. Um, It's like, uh, my kid's. My kids got emancipated. My wife took 80% of my shit. And here I am. It's like, damn. That's... You're very good at explaining shit, man. Um, and it's always weird because when you're at a light and there's someone holding a sign and or they're holding a cup or they're holding something, basically asking for money, right? Me, personally, I never really carry cash anymore. So I'll always... Always have loose change in the car, and I'll just grab a scoop and drop it in the cup. Now, what do you do if you drop a handful of change that at least equals $4? Just throwing a number out there. And they give you this look. Don't you say, I don't ask for thank you. Like, whatever. Um, you don't have to say anything to me. But God damn it, don't be fucking rude to me. God damn it, don't. Um... And they give you and they look like, and they just shake their head like, you couldn't give more? It's like, I mean, I can't just give you my credit card, man. It's not like you have a fucking cash app. Sooner or later, homeless people are going to be like, hey, can you just cash at me $4? Cash at me 6 I mean, that's a fucking business right there. They're going to be making more money a day than I do working at my job. Especially when you get sent home an hour after a fucking hour. You probably... You know what? They probably make more an hour asking for change in a subway cup than I do fucking lifting 80 pound fucking half chairs and tables. But hey, fuck me. Um, gotta love the American dream. Um, and it's just, you know, 
And I was talking, the reason why I bring this up is because I was talking to a friend earlier. Not going to say their name, but we have great discussions. And he mentioned an incident where a guy was pumping gas uh, at a quick trip or whatever. I didn't have to say the name of the gas station, but hey, it's the most common gas station in the South. It's our 7-Eleven. By the way, the big gulp thing at 7-Eleven, I've been to 7-Eleven, big gulp type of stuff. One of the most overrated like aspects of tourism of going to, oh, you have to go to New York to get the big gulp. It's like, or you go to Quick Trip and get a freaking 60 ounce fucking soda as well. It's not like the gulp, the big gulp is not an actual soda or drink. It's just the size of the fucking like collector's cup. Maybe it's like 70 cents or something. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. I've gotten the big gulp before. It was back in the day. But. You know what? We have oversized sugary fountain drinks here. Oh, yeah? And I bet you at your fucking 7-Eleven, you can't add vanilla flavoring to your Pepsi, your Coke, your root beer, your fucking float. I don't know. It's kind of weird. How come they don't have, like, scooping ice cream? Why can't, you know, they need to make, like, root beer floats you can make. That would be a nice summer treat at the quick trip. But maybe that's not really a quick trip. Anyways, um, but... (laughs) Wow, took a took a side, took a little side detour. But the dude pumping his gas says, Hey man, you know, can you can you offer me can you give me some money? And my friend, he has become very um sp- let's just say speculative of now homeless people. It's not that he has a negative view of homeless people, but he definitely he thinks in like today's generation, like in today's world. If you are like homeless, I, I don't want to speak for him. I actually, I don't want to speak for him. But basically, um, to simplify, if he really has a, he, every time he sees a homeless person, they ask him for money and they're outside places and they're asking for money. His first thing is like, you know, the Michael Jordan theory. Uh, hey, if you can ask me for money, you can say, hey, welcome to McDonald's. Basically saying, if you can sit there for five hours a day and ask for money, you can go inside of a McDonald's and apply for a job. And I was trying to explain to him, like, as great as that sounds, I know what you mean. At the same time, applying, it's not as, it's applying for jobs isn't like the 1990s where you could get fired at Subway 30 minutes later, go next door to a fucking edible, well, edible arrangements wasn't back in the 90s and that would be highly overpriced. And, but you know, you couldn't just go to a Waffle House or you could just go to a Waffle House 20 minutes later and they give you an apron and say, Hey, come two hours later and start your shift when we have the trainers here. Like that's not really how this apply at the simplest jobs is complicated, more complicated, I should say. Um, everything's online, blah, blah, blah. And if you're homeless, you probably don't have access to the internet. But then he was saying, he saw someone with the iPhone. He said, iPhone nicer than mine. And I was like, okay. But that's like saying, but look, I try to play devil's advocate. That's like saying, oh, well, someone has a, you know, a car, you know, a 2019, you know, Ford Focus, but they live out of it and they're technically homeless and they're living out of their car. It's like, yes, they have this one thing that's nice. And then they have really no home. They have no accessories. They have nothing, nothing, blah, blah, blah. 
Now, the whole idea, I mean, we could get into the weeds of mindset, you know, mental illness, but, you know, we talked about that stuff, and I I believe that part was understood, and we understood, like, we came to common ground a lot of that stuff. But, you know, I was explaining, like, look, someone can have an iPhone, and that may be their only way they could apply for jobs. So, while you're judging because they have this $800 product, um... That may be the only way they can connect with the world. That may be the only way they can look for jobs or research things or become smarter, education type of thing. Because even the simplest things, and I was even explaining this to him, and I'm not saying I'm like right in this whole conversation. We had a great back. I was like, think about like public access to a computer. Let's say you have your local library. You have to pay for a membership just to go on a computer and then you're limited you can only go x amount of hours a day then you have to pay blah 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 it's like all this weird shit right and you gotta do all this just to work at a burger king or just to work at a gas station a quick trip a mcdonald's all this shit it's not simple just go in fill out an application please i need job <laughs> it's like it, it sounds great but it's not as easy but at the same time you know, there's this uh, back and forth with a lot of, he where he doesn't, you know, it's not that he doesn't feel bad for them and he doesn't feel bad for homeless. It's just that, you know, his reference point um, is a whole lot more, his reference point, let's just say from his family and stuff, is a lot more humbling uh, than, you know, the average person that lives in this country. So, and I think what situation like taught me is that you know we think the same thing we want people to be in better situations work themselves out of it and stuff but at the same time it's we believe the same thing but our reference point it may be i may be a little bit more sympathetic and i may not make mass generalizations when i see someone you know asking for change and then you give people change and then they're rude about it. It's like, all right, man, you know what? I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I, I'm i not the richest person in the world. I have change hanging around in a car. All right, man. I'm not invested in crypto or Ethereum. We're in the same fucking boat. I'm one job away from working one hour a day from being right where you are. So, But you know what? I'm not. All right? And we got into the biggest factor. We, I think we came to this factor. And that's momentum. Wow, look at Clint preaching life philosophy. I was like, because he used the example. He's like, okay, I could get fired from my job today. And you know what I'm not going to do? He said, I'm not going to sit around sulking myself. I'm going to go the next day, apply for jobs, and I'm going to have a job really probably within a week or a week and a half. I'm going to have a job. And I said, you are 100% right. He's like, okay. So when you are down and back against the wall, like, you know, certain people, well, we're not saying generalizing all homelessness, but in this situation, he said, why don't they think the same? I said, the difference is, and, you know, my, my view on it, here's the difference. You're fired from your job. You probably have X amount of your savings, right? These people don't have X amounts in their savings. There's not a whole lot of momentum working for it. You can get fired from your job 
and you have worked for the past two or three years at this job, you have built momentum, you have built equity, you have built a confidence in yourself that you can do a job well, and you have the skill set, and you've created positive momentum for yourself, that even if you get fired from this job, you have momentum to carry you to the next job. These people are essentially starting from scratch, starting from nowhere, and starting from the bottom of the barrel where it seems like they're fighting an uphill battle. And I get it, life, you know, you got to build yourself out, dig, 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 like, I, I, I get it. And then he looked at me, he's like, you know what, you got a point there, momentum. And um, I, th- I think the moral of the conversation is essentially, one, is that not everyone losing their job is created equal. Not everyone uh, switching jobs is created equal. Not everyone that started at the same point has the same reference point for perspective. Um, everyone's motivations are different. You don't know what that person, what really led to that. It could be a lot less than anything you've had to overcome and they just didn't have the mental aptitude to deal with it. They could also dealt with a lot more than you could ever think about dealing with. And sometimes, and the common thing with homelessness is like mental illness. I know I'm speaking out of my ass here, very Ethan Kleinish. But the thing about, um, I, my belief is like, I believe mental illness isn't always born or it's not always embedded in you. I really think situations of life can really bring the darkest parts out of people. I believe someone could be perfect. Think of the most stable, normal person you know. If you took everything from them, dropped them on the street, lost their car, lost their kids, lost their wife, lost everything that made them them, starting from scratch at, let's just say, 31 years old. I don't, you know... Typically, you have built something with it. It would be like if you took if you took someone who has $100 million. If you took all that from them, they have the knowledge to be able to make that money again, right? If you know how to make money, someone can strip you of all your money. You know how to make it again. That's typically the common thief. That's why you teach a man how to fish. You can fish for life. If you, you know, just give a man a fish, he becomes Aquaman. I don't know the fucking saying. But you... But th- there's a um, there's a lineage that kind of navigates to the way of thinking. Um, it, it it's easy to say that oh if that was me I would do X Y and Z and within three months I would have this this save this like you're actually and then all this stuff and it's like yeah. You might, but you also don't. Think about all the things that you say I would never do. Or all the things that you say, if I was in that situation, I would not do what that person's doing. And then you're put in that situation, and what do you know? You do exactly what that person did. And you learn from that mistake, and you realize, wow, I didn't realize what being put in this situation uh exposes it yourself 
you know, and part, and to me, part of like life and adverse situations, I know I'm speaking very general here, general life philosophy, is that, um, part of not putting yourself in a lot of bad situations is that you don't put yourself in a lot of situations to make decisions that you don't know if you are actually ready to make. And that can keep you out of a lot of trouble. And that's part of decision making. But when you're judging someone from afar, and you, it's okay to have assumptions, and I'm not saying it's right, but you know what we all do? We all make assumptions about people that we assume have made a lot of bad choices in their life. You know, I'm no different. Either way, I think I'm very compassionate. I don't think I make very harsh judgments. But, you know, I can assume like, ah, this guy, he's uh, he's definitely been through the ringer. Um, and I just think it's very, I just think it's very important to, it's okay to have thoughts. But it's also okay, it's also more than okay to take a step back. And even if you think those things... Be compassionate and don't use your perspective of how you do things and assume that's what everyone else should do. Maybe you think you have the philosophy of life. Maybe you do. But life will humble you. That could be you if you make a few bad choices. You marry the wrong person. You lose your job, you fall down rabbit holes of addiction, and going back to Jordan Peterson, and I, 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 we actually talk about it's like a guy who knows everything about addiction, a guy who knows the psychology, the human mind inside and out, human behaviors. Even he got caught in the cycle of opioids. You know, granted, his wife was essentially, you know had cancer and she was essentially dying of cancer and even he fell into an alcohol and opioid a guy who knows everything of what that can cause and it just goes to show you can know everything have all the knowledge in the world and the power of um our human weaknesses can be exposed no matter how much you fucking know or don't know it can happen to someone who's illiterate someone who's uneducated and it can happen to someone on the intelligence level with a 180 IQ that's the beautiful and harsh reality of addictions it does not discriminate with how fucking smart you are typically we would make associations that if someone makes a lot of money they're probably really intelligent, right? And you know what? Typically, that's a typically that's the association. But of course, like anything, there's a lot of factors that play into that. It's how bad you want it, because you know what? There's a lot of smart motherfuckers that make just as much as me right now. And chances are, I'm gonna make more doing my riding thing than a lot of people who have higher degrees of education. A lot of people who have chosen different paths and I'm going to make more money than them. Does that mean I'm smarter than them? No. Does that mean that I have more life skills? Absolutely not. Making money does not always equivalent to life skills. Not breaking any news here, but typically, the more you know, the more skills you have, the more ability you will have to make money. And 
I just want, I, I, I guess I just want to put this out there. And I want to shit on Ethan Klein. Look at Ethan Klein. The dude knows less than me about a lot of shit. This dude is Mr. Uh, Mr. Everyone Should Get It Right. But he has gotten so much fucking shit wrong on his show. Um, and somehow he lacks the self-awareness. It just goes, show, goes to show you can have almost no self-awareness. And somehow survive and make a great living, an absurd living in this world. And sometimes, maybe making that much money and maybe having that self-inflated ego of yourself makes your self-awareness so in, in, in depth of yourself that no one can tell you nothing, even when you are completely wrong. And, oh, also, I got in a discussion about private school. Because a lot of this kind of ties in, like, if I had the means to put my kid through private school, would I? Common sense would say, if you have the means to give your kid a better education, why wouldn't you? Maybe true. Uh, Typically with private schools, it's like, or like charter schools and stuff like that. Um, Typically, the most important stages are like adolescent, like, you know, 7 to 12 years old. Those are the most important stages because it's like, you know, the growing, your development, your coronary, your frontal lobe development type of shit. You know, you know, the use. Um, and I, I've thought about this. Not that I have to worry about this in the next three years or nothing, but, you know, it's something to think about. It's something you think about. And, and again, I had this discussion with someone and they're like, Oh, no, my kids are going to private school. But his point of view is more of what's going on today in, pri- in public schools when it comes to, you know, um, let's just say medical stuff and being kids being forced with the jab secretly type of thing. And, you know, it's just, you know, that's his point of view on stuff. But when it comes to just education and what is being taught in schools and what's more importantly, not being taught in schools. You know, there's a lot of conversations that's been happening the past two years when it comes to things that I've never even heard of. Some of now I'm hearing on podcasts and internet and stuff, stuff that I never was taught in school. And it really gets you thinking, the whole point of education is to learn everything about history, even when it's not pleasant. And the more and more you learn outside of school about history... And then you think about what you were taught, you realize, oh, we are taught a protected, uh, we are taught a protected curriculum that has to be explained the least because it could be very uncomfortable for teachers that aren't really being, you know, paid really that, that well to have to explain a lot of fucked up shit in history type of thing. Now, if I put my kid to private school, I would want my kid to learn, if I'm paying twenty, thirty thousand a year for my kid to learn some bullshit, you know what? You better teach that motherfucker. You better teach that motherfucker everything. Every theory in the book, every way of whatever is wrong, theories from different philosophers, uh, teach from all racial aspects of uh, historical, you know, racism, you know, the all the wars that we actually don't talk about, you know, there are things that, you know what, I would want my kid to learn it all, 
and so he can form his or her opinion. I, I'm going to think more than likely my first kid is going to be a boy. I just think I have the right sperm count. Um, sperm count. And, you know, but I thought, but anyways, going back to the bigger point about should I put my kid in private school or public? I think from a social aspect, I think the best aspect would be public school. Um, personally, because, you know, you're dealing with people from, you're, you're dealing with kids that come from all economic backgrounds, all diverse backgrounds, all socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, and typically, kids are not as buttoned up. And typically, they're more well-rounded because they're forced to be more well-rounded to adapt and to actually be inclusive. And you actually learn about other groups of people, whether it's racially, uh, ethnically, religion, uh, snobby, rich, not rich, trailer park. Like, you learn everything. You truly learn how to, I really think, be more socially um, aptable. Now, I don't want to generalize private school or stuff like that, but you're typically, if someone, if your kid's in private school, they're going to be in private school with a lot of other kids that parents can afford, which typically means they make a decent enough living to spend 30000 a year for you to do projects about, I don't know, uh, Elmer Fudd. That's not what they do in private school, but you get the point. You know, where they learn geometry in second grade, like this, where they're reading To Kill a Mockingbird in third grade, where they're reading War and Peace by the seventh grade, like they're advancing the stages in a lot of this shit. And to, but the thing with private school is that you get a more specific approach. It's all right. In eighth grade, we're basically going to start training your kid. What do you want to do? All right, you want to be a lawyer? We're going to have, uh, we used to call them, quote, unquote, seminar classes, which, or they used to be called, like, advisement classes, which is a general term of saying, we're going to teach you some of the laws. Um, hopefully, you never actually have to get into a lot of this shit, but, hey, we're going to teach you how many House of Representatives. We're going to teach you how many people are in the Senate. And we're going to spend a semester on it, and hopefully you never get arrested, and hopefully you never actually have to enforce a lot of these. Um, but it's nice to know. But in private school, you're basically paying for kind of a head start. It's really helpful. But typically, you're probably going to be, I know this is generalizing, but you're probably going to be around kids that are pretty, I don't want to say button up, but they're going to be kids that are more appropriate they're going to be more well taught i guess they're going to be more well mannered they're going to be kids that are all a lot more similar than they are different which in public school typically a lot of kids are more different than they are similar and if you've been to public school you know what i'm talking about and if you haven't been to public school you think we're like in cells and all this shit and you're not incorrect. A lot of us are pieces of shit. But we're also, typically, better people down the line. Um, and we typically have a lot more empathy and sympathy. Because we've actually been around people. We've seen someone 
do I saw someone true story I saw someone do a line of cocaine in the seventh grade in the bathroom true story and then he uh he came back to class and he forgot to he left the hall pass in the bathroom and the teacher's like hey where's the hall pass because another kid go he's like oh I left in the bathroom and she said, well, you have to go get it and bring it back. And you have two minutes. And he was like, all right. And that kid left. And he never came back. I literally never saw him again. Never came back to class. He said, fuck the hall pass. And he was, you know, he was right. Because 10 minutes later when she realized, I don't think he's coming back. So she told the kid, just go to the bathroom. And then the kid came back like six minutes later with the hall pass. Like, yeah, it was just laying on the ground. Next to the air heater. And she's like, cool. But yeah, um, that's public schools for you. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement to send your kid to public school. What I am saying is maybe I'll do like a half and half approach. Like, you know what? From um, August to December, go to private school. Get your four months of hard work and dedication. And then the end of the year out before the summer hits, go to public school. Get a girl pregnant. I don't care. It's 8th grade. Live it up. Do drugs. And then you come back to private school and you're like a new kid. It's like the first year when you go off to college freshman year. And you come back and you come back home and they're like, oh my god, what happened to you? You gained a lot of weight. It's like, these kids are crazy. They're crazy. Uh, you go to public school and, you know, you learn how to fight. You, uh... You build up, you get in the weight train, you get in the weight training program, you come back to private school and like, what are these little yuppie bitches? But yeah, I've thought about that. I shouldn't, but I have. If I could afford it, common sense would say, yeah, you probably should. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, nah, I want to. I want to create adversity for my kid. I want to just create unnecessary blocks. It's always weird to me how, like, I, I never understood. Like, I get it when people say it. Like, when you have an exorbitant amount of money and you're just, like, rich to the gills and you live in a nice house and your kid has, you know, all these nice things and stuff. Like, you know, you you don't want, you know, you're going to, your kid is going to live a different life. And that's okay. You know, you don't want to spoil your kids so rotten that, like, they become one of those people that, what do you mean I don't get a Mercedes for my 16th birthday? But, like, you know what? That doesn't mean, like, you shouldn't get your kid a kid. You shouldn't, you should, well, you shouldn't get your kid a kid for, congratulations. We adopted a kid under your name. You're a father now. Yeah, don't do that. You know, don't, don't place that many unnecessary blocks don't create that much like unnecessary stress on a 16 year old boy but it's like you know what you could you know you could get him like a nice 2008 Saturn with 45,000 miles on it you know you don't have to like make his life extremely difficult you know it's enough humble like here's a car it's not the nicest car but get you around and if you want a better car you want to improve it you know, you work and pay and whatever. Like, you know, you don't have to make your kids start from nothing just to prove a point. Like, I've never understood that. Like, making your kid 
Like, I understand the idea of you got to, when, when there's not much adversity in the way because you have such a comfortable financial living. I know this, like, coming from, like, first world problems where it's, like, imagine a first world problem where you're creating, you're creating struggle because you're in such financial well-off and security, which basically shows that being financially secure really caught, really saves a lot of problems for you. It really makes life a whole lot easier. So don't listen to these people like, oh, well, you know what? Finance, finances don't uh, fix all your problems. It doesn't make you happy. It's like, you know what? It makes life a little more happy. <laughs> it makes life a little more easier. And you know what? That's okay to admit. It shouldn't be your focus. It shouldn't be your sole reason to be happy. But God damn it. Is much fucking better than sitting there and being like, I have no money. I can't even get my oil change. Um, if my engine were to blow out, I'm fucked. And I'm walking eight miles to work every day. Because you know what? That really sucks. And then you have to rent a car for 70 bucks a day. Do the math. If you spend 300 bucks a month on your car payment, within six days of renting a vehicle, you're paying that. You're paying 70 bucks a day when you're making 100 just throwing random numbers, not talking about me. And basically, you're renting a car just to get around, but you can't afford nothing. And then you are fucked. All because you wanted to prove a point instead of just being like, we got you, son. But I understand, create adversity. You know, don't, don't like make it a cakewalk because, you know, life's not a cakewalk. But if you have the means and money, it's like, make you know what, man? Just like, don't be an ass with it just to be an ass. Because you know what? If you didn't have the money, you would feel a lot more guilty of not even having the means to help your kid with simple things or whatever. Like, you know, it's just like, don't be an ass about it. If you, if you have $20 million in the bank, you know what? You have $20 million in the bank. Alright, you don't have to, it's not like at the age of 17, you're like, you're not doing shit. It's like, hey, can I go to the movie theater? It's like, no, fuck you. You need to go work 50 hours a week while you're going to school. It's like, how about I just work 25 hours so I still have time for this, maybe an allowance work. Nope, fuck you, kid. It's like, actually, from now on. You have to buy your own food. Yeah. You have to buy your own food that your mother cooks for you. It's like, um, that doesn't seem logical. You're still, you know, you're still responsible for me. I'm in the 11th grade. It's like, fuck you, kid. Point is, don't just create adversity. Just create adversity. Because it's not real. Your kid knows. Your kid knows that if, if shit were to hit the fan... You would help me with what you can. You have the means. Don't cross problems just to cause a problem. Just love me. Just love me. But no. We got a... We got quote-unquote non-parent experts. Uh, to me, I've never understood going. That's what happens when you go to public school. You know, you deal with kids from various financial backgrounds, right? It was always weird to me. It's funny how, like, think about now shitting on someone for having 
a decent I would never I would never shit on a kid be like, huh, this guy lives in a eight hundred thousand dollar house. What a noob. But that was a thing. You know, the only way you can boggle down someone whose parents make a great living or live in a nice house and have nice things and have a car at 16 while you don't, you know, is to make them feel bad for having what you don't have. And I think the thing is, like, if you have those things, you shouldn't make other people feel bad when they don't have those things. But at the same time, when you don't have those things, you shouldn't make people that have those things feel bad. Because you know what? Everyone has different reference points, starting points, realistic. Everyone has different financial circumstances. There's a lot of things that factor. But it is weird. Like, that's just how, like, dumb when you look at a lot of elementary, middle school shit where you literally pick and make fun of people because they have money you wouldn't do that now well except you're one of those people like oh elon musk should pay 80 billion dollars in taxes he's just hoarding the wealth and those dumb people that say jeff bezos could literally solve world hunger if he just gave 50 percent. if he just or it's like if he gave um if he gave a dollar, or it was like, he could literally solve world hunger with twenty with twenty million dollars. It's like actually he couldn't. It would take a lot more than twenty million. If it was just twenty million dollars to fix fucking world hunger, or to fix homelessness, I think someone would have done it by now. I think someone would have done it. No, you know why? Because it takes a lot of fucking money. It takes a lot of fucking money to fix rural hunger or homelessness. Wow. It's a lot of real serious subjects in today's pod. The moral the moral of today's pod, episode 100, is that if I have money, and I know I contradicted because I said I would not, I, I didn't say I wouldn't, I said I would hesitate. Just throwing my kid in private school. Nah, nah. Struggle through less education. Play public sports. Get a less adequate education when I could afford you a better education. And I'm going to make life more difficult on you to prove a point that you have to work hard for it in this world. It's like, yeah, you know what you do? But you know what? You could work hard for it while I give you all these advantages. What is the point of having economic advantage if you don't give your kids that economic advantage so they can succeed. Hey, what the fuck do I know? It's the definition of selfishness that just because you had to dig through the mud and all this shit. And you're worried about your kid being complacent. That imagine a first world problem that you have that you get to tell your kid to fuck off. And say no. Go fuck yourself. No trust fund, no nothing. And this is not come from... So before if anyone doesn't know me, I'm not a trust fund. I don't come from uh, the royal family, let's just say. But I'm just saying if I did, I would not want my kid just to struggle, just to struggle. Like, trust me, all the parents... Like, all, all these people are like, my parents didn't give me nothing. My parents... You know, we didn't have Christmas every year. We only have five years. It's like, guess what? If your parents had the means to give you 25 gifts and a trampoline 
in a Nerf basketball 20-foot fucking dunk rim? Guess what? They would have, but they couldn't. It's not. They're actually very giving because they gave you. You got to look at giving as percentage. If someone has a hundred dollars in their account, but they gave you ten dollars, they gave. They just gave you ten percent of everything they had. If someone has ten million dollars, but they give you a thousand dollars, what is that? One percent, if even. That ten thousand dollars isn't nearly as beneficial. Of the $10 million person than the $10 that someone who had $100 give you. If your parents have are literally feeding you uh, the last piece of chicken and broccoli and a spoonful of medicine and rice. And they're over there eating fucking like, you know, some Campbell's chicken noodle soup with a side of fucking grape juice. And they give you the bigger portion. That is much more giving than someone just sending you and your friends to fucking abachi for your prom. And they just give you $5,000 in a limo and be like, fuck off for the night. It's much more meaningful when someone gives you more of what they have even when they don't have it. Because trust me, if your parents would have gave you more, they would have. If they could have, they would have. You ungrateful sacks of shit. And because you are going to have money, girl, you want your kids to suffer. Not even suffer. You want your kids to go through a bunch of unnecessary hoops just to prove a point. And you should make your kids be appreciative. But if you're parenting correctly and teaching the right things, you don't have to actually go through all these hoops to teach them shit. Life experience. If you put them in public school... They'll be humbled. That's the moral of today's episode. Uh, put your kids in public school and you don't have to over-parent. It's like over-teaching. You want to talk about mansplaining? It's called this whole fucking podcast, Ethan Klein. Fuck you. Alright, guys. That was episode 100. Like and subscribe. Um, it's been a great honor. Let's hope for the next 100 more. Maybe, hopefully... For the one year anniversary, I believe it's like June 6th or June 5th, I'll have to look it up. I'm going to try to hit 200 episodes, but, well, damn, that would be a lot of episodes. If I get 200, that would be great. I'll have to do like five pods a week, so maybe not 200, but you know what? Maybe, uh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, like, subscribe, and most importantly, suck some titties. And I like doing hour pods. It really gets me in the mood. I'm not in the mood. But yeah, have a great day, have a great day, recording this on a Tuesday, January 18, 2022, and it's a three-month anniversary of my script that I'm about to finish in a day or two, ooh, baby. Alright, guys, have a great day. Public school, and if you have the means, just eh, give your kids the money.